your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. For years, the iconic broadcaster Gay Byrne read out letters on subjects such as women's rights, domestic and institutional abuse, and many more topics which sparked nationwide conversation and debate. Now, in memory of the much-loved presenter and his work, Gay's daughter Susie Byrne has compiled a book of these letters entitled Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Burn Show, A Handwritten History of Ireland. And Susie is on the line now. Hi Susie, good morning to you. Hi Joe, good morning to you. Thank you for having me on. Now as I was looking at the book yesterday, I was transported to my own childhood and I remember my mother listening to the Gay Burn radio show, as I'm sure lots of people around the country do too. And also the fact that she much preferred your dad on radio, while my dad most preferred him on the Late Late Show on <laughs> a, a Friday night. But it, it was about that connection that he had with so many and that the show had. Yes, and I actually, he, my mum often says that he, he preferred radio to television himself. I think he, he loved the medium of radio, loved um, talking to real people as such, um, as opposed to people who are on the Late Late Show discussing um, often bigger, not bigger topics, but more um, celebrity or books or films or hard-hitting topics as such. So he, he loved radio and, and even right until he was sick in the end, he it was radio he kept gravitating towards. So I, yes, I absolutely agree with you that the, 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 the relationship that he had with his listeners in around the country and everywhere around the country was very strong on radio and probably um, not necessarily recognised as to be as strong as it actually was. Mm. And remind us, Susie, of these letters and what an important part they played in the Gayburn radio show. Well, the letters kind of started, Joe, they they trickled through initially. I mean, initially when the programme started, it was a very much a whimsical programme and um, it, it, was, it was his remit was to entertain the stay-at-home mothers as they were. Um, and he, but he kind of agreed to do that only in order if he could have an interactive, there was a two-way um, radio programme that he could interact with his listeners. So from the get-go, he he wanted to be able to talk to people. He wasn't just going to play music and just do requests. He wanted to actually speak to them. So he had to fight for that very hard. Um, and then the letters kind of gently, initially were very light, very, they, they specialise in finding things for people. And some of the letters, even initially in the book, um, are very much of that nature. You know, the, the, there's letters where there's a, a young man died suddenly and uh, his will was in the cover of a book and the book had been given away and they were looking for it if anyone knew this particular book. So it was kind of finding things for people. And then the trickle of letters, which were more hard hitting and honest and confessional in a way started to come through and he would read them out um, and the response to reading out any particular letter was so huge that it became a, a critical part of the show and he would I mean the, every every so many of the even in the chapters in the book and so many of the the stories and the big issue big ticket items that ended up being discussed came from one initial letter and the, the response just the floodgates opened but people just put I mean you can see in the letters people literally sat at their kitchen tables some of them with um, notebooks with the wire the wire bound notebooks and just wrote down their thoughts immediately 
recently and posted it often at great risk to themselves. Yeah. And that's because, how it, it kind of evolved. Because it was a time in Ireland where the ability to express yourself in that way was extremely limited. Very much so. And even writing into him, um, you know, from easy enough in Dublin or Limerick or the big cities, but in, in, in very, very, very remote areas of the country when people were confess- confessing dreadful things that were going on in their own lives, to even as he said in an interview that I listened to, you know, they, they took risk, not just writing the letter and posting it, but going to the local post office where it was going to, they were posting a letter going to the Gayburn show. So people would have, ne- could have put two and two together a couple of days later if they heard the, the letter being written out or read out. So they did put um, put themselves on the line to send letters. Now a lot of people said, please don't read out my name. But they they and, and in, in those in those instances the, the radio shoot team would retype the letter and then put the original behind it. So there was absolutely no room for anybody um name being being uh, mentioned inadvertently. And people wrote their names and addresses and it was I suppose to put authenticity to the letters. They did that. But they really, I mean, they, they left a huge amount of room for error if there was a problem. But they, they trusted him and they sent them in. And um, what they said and their honesty and their um, literacy and, and their their um, the way that people were able to actually write their life in a quite a short letter so beautifully and so... Well, eloquently, really, and 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 portray this dreadful thing that were going on within the four walls of their house, and they all thought they were on their own until they realised that they weren't, and that was what changed. I think one of the things that that he always fought about, or fought about, but fought against, was this idea that he changed Ireland for it was he it was his at his doing. He felt, and I, and I came across this over and over again. He kept saying, "No, I, I was the right person in the right time, at the right in the right place at the right time." They wrote to me and they told me things, and we read it out on there. It started a conversation, and it was mm-hmm. their letters and their conversation and their honesty that started a big change of 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 how things worked in this country. Um, stay with us, Susie. We're talking yes. about uh, the book that you've compiled, a book of letters, Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Barn Show, A Handwritten History of Ireland. And we'll chat a little bit more after a short break. We're chatting to the broadcaster, Gay Barn's daughter, Susie, who's compiled a book of letters entitled Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Barn Show, A Handwritten History of Ireland and the the many, many letters that were sent to his radio show. Susie, how did you access these letters and how did you decide what to put in and what to leave out of the book? Um, well, Joe, the, the the letters are all kept in the RTE archives, and but they're not kept in letter order. They're they're all um, filed in day program day order. So each day of the week, the program was on two hours, and the running order, the interviews, the newspaper cuttings, the letters that were read, all of that are all in each daily file. So um, it was a mammoth task to go through them. Uh, finding out, finding the letters, and you uh, in it for each 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 day. Um, so, or spent a lot of time over COVID and after COVID in um in RTE archives. So that was where the source of the letters were. And then what I did was extracted all of the hundreds of letters that that um more than probably a thousand letters that I wanted to put in, and then um just to filter it through kind of decided they, they fell into 
categories quite readily, really. And then I was had to just go through them and, and decide, OK, only letters that were specific to somebody would be included. So it was your story, like you wrote about my story, wherever you were living, as opposed to opinions or somebody else's story that you were writing about. It was a personal story. So we kept, that's what I kept through the book. It's apart from the Northern, the Northern Ireland chapter on Enniskillen, they are all letters in after the Enniskillen bombing. So, but other than that, it's all personal stories. And that kind of filtered it down quite well and then there's a lot of le- because of um, sa- sadly there's a lot of issues that are repeated and a lot of the stories are the same the the thing then was to pick a letter that would really reflect the other letters that were there yeah. that would give everything so that's that's really the, the way I did it right. and was it an emotional experience for you on two fronts the letters themselves then obviously remembering your dad very yes. I in hindsight, I probably started started a little bit soon after Dad died, um, and that delayed it a little bit because you know you go in and um, his voice is everywhere. I mean, I'm reeling in the ears. You're, you're hearing his voice all the time, but to listen to the audios and to listen to the programs, you, you know, it brings back to like as you said earlier, your own childhood and all of the things that went on and and. Um, so yes, very emotional. And then within the files, there's all of his handwriting in 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 various places. You know, because he would he would rehearse every letter before he read it out in the mornings. He would lock himself into the studio for about an hour before the program aired and go through his program and go through every letter a number of times if he was going to read it out to get the intonation right, make sure that the letter writer would be the letter would do justice mm-hmm. to the writer. Um, and often you'd hear him say on on various um, audios, you'd say. He'd say, now, I want you to sit down, stop what you're doing, whatever it is, just stop for two minutes while I read this letter and listen to everything in it. And then at the end of the letter, he might just say, and that's something for you to think about for the rest of the day. So he wouldn't necessarily talk about it yes. or anything. Just let the letter, it's, it's, it didn't need him. Um, and, and I wonder too, you know, talking about childhoods, um, I remember reading in, in his autobiography that he said his in-laws used to describe him as Gabe or the ghost at home. Because he'd often yes. sit there and say very little. So were very these little, yeah. were these letters that that he would ever talk about to to Kathleen, or you, you know, or, or was it a way of saying, well, look, that's that's my work, and and this is my my home time. Very much so. He never, we never, we don't remember myself and Crona or my mum. We never, it, it was never spoken about in the end uh, at home. And really, I think, you know, he, he would do the radio program and after the radio, he would go over to the canteen. They would have a bit of a debrief with the radio team. And then he was straight over to the Late Late Show offices. And because he was producer of the Late Late Show, they were planning for their program every week. And uh, by the end of the day, I think he was just spent. He would come out to Hoth. It's about 40 minute drive out and regimentally he was very very he was very disciplined in his work and in his switch on and switch off and he would come home over like we we you'd literally see the the car coming down the driveway in he would come he would go over to the television set at the time and place his wallet and his pen and his uh, diary and comb and his rosary ring and all of these things in a line along the television and there they would stay untouched until the next day and then he would go off for a walk for half an hour and come back and at that point you know as kids we were we were small as well so so it was all about us then so we we were just chatting and listening and yapping about our our inconsequential lives so he loved all that so really I think because of the nature of his work he 
you know, he, he didn't, mum would have listened to the programme during the day or, or she would have seen Late Late Show. So she didn't need to discuss things no. with them because she'd yeah, heard she'd, them herself. Um, just a great question here from a listener. Could you ask Susie, yeah. is there an audiobook available? Well, there isn't actually an audiobook available, but... Uh, one of the things that they did in 1998 when, and I don't know whether they will do an audiobook, but they haven't at the moment, but one of the things that they did in 1998 um, when he was retiring for the, from the Gay Burn collection, or show, Alice O'Sullivan, who worked with him on the late, on the radio show, she put together with him a c- compilation of, it's called the Gay Burn Collection, and it's five episodes of the best of the Gay Burn show. And a lot of the audio that I would have listened to is on that. And I Actually, weirdly, I met her on Monday and there's talk of releasing that as maybe a podcast or something because it's vintage stuff. It's just fabulous. And, you know, even when it's it's the light and the shade, it's it's because it's it's five episodes and it's the best of it, it incorporates everything and it brings it, it brings you back. His voice is there. It brings you back to Joe Duffy's on it a bit. Um, you know, there's there's so yeah. many things on it that are fabulous. So we're hoping that RTE might give us permission to release that, Fantastic. which would be really enjoyable. Uh, uh, and finally and briefly, do you like the nod to your dad and the late, late now and his voice being used Love to it. introduce Patrick Keelty? Oh, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful because dad is a huge fan of Patrick and, um, you know, I always encouraged young comedians at the time. And I think it's a lovely thing to do. It's really lovely. And, and every week to see it and to hear the voice is incredible and to have that. Because I, I, I do feel very much if... If Patrick was here, if, sorry, if Dad was here now and they asked him, would he would he do the voiceover for To Whom It Concerns, he would say absolutely in a heartbeat. So it's great that they have that. It's great. And yeah. they can use yeah. it. It's, it's wonderful. Lovely. And it's his lovely. voice in it as it was at the time. Yeah. You know, because obviously as you get older, your voice isn't yeah. strong. So, yeah. so it's a it's a super thing so, and a so. fair play to Patrick. He's doing a great job. I, well, listen, Susie Byrne, thank you very much. And we know that your sister Corona has pleasure. local connections as well. And uh, Oh, she does. She, she does. does oh, yeah, we're, we're well aware. Well, listen, thank you very much. I hope you have a very happy Christmas and watch out for the book compiled by Susie Byrne um, uh, for her dad, Gay. Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Byrne Radio Show, A Handwritten History of Ireland. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.